I do love the fact that we can give the animal the best possible life and we can play a role in the food system that is different to just churning out beef and it being not valued in the way that it should be valued. So I, I, I really feel honoured to be able to do that part of it. This is The Producers. I'm Danny Vallant. The Producers in Launceston is a special series celebrating the producers and people of Northern Tasmania in partnership with Agricultured. This is episode four of seven. Liz and Rick Mankin grow Angus beef on Summerlee Farm in North Lilydale, 35 kilometres north of Launceston. Their children are the seventh generation of Mankins on this farm. After a tragic start to their working life here, Liz and Rick are farming with purpose. It's small scale with a focus on animal welfare and meat quality and a keen eye on nurturing the land. Their beef is prized by home cooks lucky enough to be recipients of beef boxes and by the few chefs that have fostered a relationship with the Munkins and an understanding of the way they work. I tried Summerlee beef in a tartare at a producer's dinner at Launceston's Grain of the Silos. It was delicious and rich with deep minerality and roundness. I didn't realise it at first, but I was sitting next to Liz at the time. It was so special to realise who she was, to see the sparkle in her eyes as dozens of people enjoyed the fruits of her labour. And I was so excited to have this paddock to plate proximity too. Um, so my name is Liz Menken and we are in North Lilydale in northern Tasmania, just outside of Lilydale. <laughs> um, it's about 35 kilometres from Launceston. And we have a very small boutique uh, Angus beef farm. So we've been living on this farm for about 15 years and uh, 10 of those years we've been farming it. Uh, Rick's family moved here in the late 1890s and have just never left really. So he's sixth generation on this farm and I met him in Queensland and we moved down here when we got married and um, yeah, built a bit of a life in the house, renovated the house, the old cottage. When we moved down to Tasmania, we hadn't even, well, in my mind, I hadn't even thought about farming. I, I knew Rick's parents owned a farm. We lived on the farm. Um, maybe I was incredibly naive, but it never occurred to me that we would be farming in the future. And then when Rick's, um, we lost Rick's dad quite suddenly and the far, his only son and we were living here and we found ourselves farming in a, in a situation that wasn't particularly what either of us had expected. So, I guess our our start to farming life wasn't um, it. It's we sort of refer to it as less of a dream and more of a nightmare, really, because we had a lot of grief and trauma that was there for us and um, for the extended family. So we we worked through a lot of stuff initially, while we had to still go through all the motions of feeding the cattle and um, doing the fence work and uh, doing the hay and all of the things that have to be done on a farm. And so for Probably about five years, we just did a quite a mechanical process and continued doing what, what Rick's dad had done. And then at one point, we realised that time had passed and that we lived somewhere incredibly beautiful and we were really lucky and we actually enjoyed it and we found a new joy in, in being on the farm and, and doing what we were doing. So we decided to make a bit of a change. Rick's father died suddenly and the grief is still very present. 
As much as Summerlee Farm is an optimistic and forward-looking business, Liz and Rick's time as farmers began in dark shadow. It was a horrible time. It was a really horrible time. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's something that I'll get I'll get emotional now and I'm quite happy to sit with that. I I really own that that grief because it's um I think that's the privilege of loving someone. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so funny. Um it's always there. It's always um when when you've had a family farm, I never got this as a as a Queensland girl and a city girl. I never understood it. But once you live it, you get that understanding of why people are so connected to land. When it's when literally blood, sweat, and tears are in the soil, that's when um, you have a, a a completely different relationship with the land. So, as part of our kind of farming business establishing ourselves and understanding what we do um, not what was done before we we thought about our some of our um, our purpose what why are we doing this and I think it was for us it's really about honoring that past that people have that it is Rick's ancestors that have got their blood sweat and tears in the ground and ours um, but it's also planning for the future and what do we do how do we bring the good things from years that have gone by but actually look at what's happening with our climate with the world with our future and the kids and how do we plan for that so I guess that's that's why we're farming the way we do farm. As Liz and Rick moved from the fog of grief and found more headspace they were able to be more intentional about the kind of farm they ran and the type of farmers they wanted to be. Um, what we wanted to do was we wanted to move away from using any um, sort of synthetic fertilisers and, and we, we tend to not use the word regenerative because we think that, that people get an idea in their mind of what that is and, and, and I do worry sometimes that that sometimes can be a bit of a greenwashing with, with that term thrown around. But we absolutely embrace those principles and um, are trying to plant more trees and improve our soil and rotate our paddocks and 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 take as many of the elements as we can um, practically and financially um, as as those things allow so we are are um we're not buying in a whole lot of wiener cattle, for example, and churning them out for a commodity as a commodity. Where we've got cows, we carve on farm. We're doing our best to make sure they have a really relaxed and um, and happy time. And with their, you know, they're living here. They're enjoying being in a paddock and being, you know, in their groups and 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 not moved around on trucks and sold at sales yards and those sorts of things. Um, and when their time, it's time for us to process our beef then we have a, a group of subscribers that um, order with us regularly and we know who they are we know what's in their kitchens and we know what their household makeup is and how they like to cook and those sorts of things so we have this beautiful continuation of of the um the product all the way through to the kitchen which is lovely so that's that's the beef side of things and then the other side is is repairing the land that over those 150 odd years that the ancestors have been here and they farmed in the way they knew how with the resources that they had um where we're just trying to um replant and and put uh, some improvements for the future so we've got habitat as well as farming being avowedly small scale means that some of Liz and Rick's farmland can be given back to nature. 
in the forest patches, that's mostly about letting time and organisms do their work. But along the river, there's also been active regeneration to help a rare freshwater crayfish thrive. We've got around 50 acres of what was um, harvested forestry and we fenced that off and it's naturally regenerating. So it's um, it's got all sorts of um, trees and uh, bushes and wildlife in there. So it's just quietly doing its thing. So it's been growing for about nearly 10 years now. And it's amazing what the soil can do when, when it just is left alone to do it. So that's a lovely sort of 50 acres with a bit of river going through it as well. And then we have a stretch of river along the farm that's about um, just over a kilometre. And we've planted 2,000 native seedlings along there to just build a riparian zone and that's building habitat for the giant freshwater crayfish that live in our river. They're gorgeous. They they look like a lobster. So if you imagine, you know, you go to a restaurant and see a lobster, but they're, they're kind of a blacky, greeny colour and they get up to about six kilos and they live to about 60 years old. Um, and we, yeah, they live only in the northern part of Tasmania and they are only in rivers that feed into the Bass Strait apart from the Tamar River. So it's quite it's quite special to have them here. Uh, and when we had the, um, the, the crayfish expert come out, he did an audit of our crayfish and he said that once the trees grow in about 10 to 20 years, population will be in the hundreds so that's that's really exciting we've probably got about 20 in there now but there'll be you know in not much time there'll be lots more so it's pretty exciting giving cattle a good life on farm is important it's crucial that the end of life experience is calm too Liz explains how that works at Summerlee. So now we use the abattoir just at Ledgerwood, which is about 45 minutes away. Um, and we have an arrangement with with them that they, they'll do them straight away. So from leaving the farm here to when they've processed, it's in a matter of hours, which reduces every time there's stress put on the animal, then that changes their cortisol levels and then that changes, uh, so the glycogen, which changes the cortisol, which changes the product. So if you can reduce the stress at every point, then you're going to get a better product at the end of it. And also, we care for our animals. We don't want them to have a bad, you know, a bad experience at the end of it. So... Yeah, there's, there's, once the animal leaves our farm, that's when um, we, we no longer have control over what happens. So, um, so there's a few things that are left out of our control, but we've got some good systems in place to, to do that. But with a small producer, it is quite difficult to compete against the big guys and to, um, to get the, just even the transportation from one place to another. Then we needed a butcher to cut it. And so we have a lovely butcher over at Westbury who does it. He's just brilliant, but he's also running his own business. So um, we need to fit in around his schedule, which makes it a bit tricky sometimes. Being a small farmer means that it's possible to have a real connection with customers who subscribe to receive a box of beef. It's great for home cooks, but it's also meaningful for Liz and Rick. We, 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 uh, produce beef seasonally, so uh, from spring to autumn, when it's lovely and warm and there's fresh grass around, and in that time we'll do uh, we'll we'll process around five to six times in that in that period. So our subscribers sign up for that period, and they will get a beef box each time we do do one. So they'll get five over the course of that that period, and they can either have ten or fifteen kilos. 
Um, so they pay just a, a deposit and then that is just used as a down payment on each of the boxes. So that's that's how it works at the moment. And then we just sort of email them and, and have this lovely relationship over that time and yeah, it's really nice. And sometimes I say, oh, no silver side this time or <laughs> or too many sausages or whatever it is that they, they request. Yeah, and then alongside the subscribers, we also have our regular um, customers who get sides, a full side. So they'll maybe, some get two sides in a season, others will just get one or a mixed quarter or something. So it's, I think connection was one of the things that we identified that were really imp- important values to us. And that's connecting with, the customers or the people who are buying our meat and cooking with it um, and connecting with other producers and connecting with our community and, you know, that was and connecting with, with the environment. That's sort of something that's been a theme of ours as we've progressed through our, our business. When they talk about cooking our, uh, cooking their beef, it's their beef, um, for a special occasion, it's really lovely. I had, you know, someone said that they were, um, They'd cooked something and they had weren't having a very good day, a, an unwell parent, and they said that they were just going to sit home and have some beautiful, you know, beautiful bowl of beef that they'd cooked up of ours, and it's lovely and it's really nice. They send photos of what they've cooked, and sometimes they get a cut that they don't know what to do with. So, so they, you know, we'll send them a recipe, and we have this really beautiful exchange. So, yeah, it's it's just they're like our friends. It's lovely. Chef Massimo Mele had to stay on Liz's radar for ages before he was lucky enough to snare some Summerlee beef. Massimo was thrilled, but it's also an incredible buzz for Liz and Rick to see their beef in a restaurant setting. To get Massimo's side of it, listen to the second episode in this series. Oh my goodness, that's incredible. Like, I'm, I can cook, but I'm not a great cook, so very simple recipes that I like, and it's just... I don't know. I can't. I don't know if I can describe how how cool it is just to see your beef on you know on a menu or have a have a chef compliment you on on you know the product that you've got or even just give you feedback and 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 yeah sort of say that they want to buy more of it. It's fantastic. And we actually we've never we never pursued the restaurant market. We just weren't interested in restaurants at all because mostly they will just want to buy a big, a whole um, eye fillet or a whole scotch and, and buy, you know, six of them. But most of our animals, when we have an eye fillet, it's roughly a kilo aside. So on a whole animal. So we just don't have the capacity to fill that kind of order. And also, we always, you know, the whole animal dies, not just the eye fillet. So if you're wanting to value every single part of what's what's on offer, then then I'm, you know, I'm interested in talking to, to those people, not just people who want to just cook steaks. So it was a bit random when I we had a customer who wasn't able to take a side for whatever reason, um, and it was a bit last minute. So I just... I thought I'll just text Massimo and say, are you interested? And he just straight away, absolutely, we'll have it. And I was just blown away. I thought, okay, that was easy. Why didn't I do that earlier? Um, and, yeah, it was, took a bit of faffing about to to get it because we're so small and we don't have um, we don't have the logistics in place for transportation and delivery and that sort of stuff. But we made it. Um, they wanted it hung for a certain period and we made the arrangements for that and, and got it butchered down and... And it was just, yeah, it was great. So the start of a really nice partnership. 
Summerlee is a boutique operation that Liz and Rick Mankin balance with valued careers off farm. Liz explains how they work it all out. We've got two teenagers um, and we both work off farm. So Rick works um, for the TAS Fire Service and he's a district officer in the northeast. So he's got a, a busy job that he um, works long hours. So he does most of the farming outside of normal work hours, so weekends and, and evenings. And I work uh, part-time, 0.5, in the, the Department of Health in Public Health Services. And we both we both love our jobs. So it's kind of, we like doing both of them. Um, so it's, it's yeah, we, we want, what we want to do is we want the farm to stand on its own financially. So we don't want to pour all of our money <laughs> that we earn off farm into the farm. And um, we're not quite ready to transition straight to, to living on the farm either because we both have, you know, trained and we're, like our our work so so eventually we will sort of semi-retire I guess and do more farming. Launceston has been recognised by UNESCO as a city of gastronomy and it's in large part thanks to a network of small producers like the Mankins at Summerlee Farm. Yeah so we just outside of Launceston is is kind of a bit tucked away and a bit um, I don't know that people really know about some of the producers that are in this region and I think we almost kind of punch above our weight in some respects because in a very small area there's some pretty awesome producers that are doing some really really great things Um, but we're not at this point it's not sort of like on a we are on the tourist track but mainly people go to some of the the larger destinations Um, but it's starting to change and there's starting to be a lot more connection with other producers and collaboration and um, with restaurants like the Grain of Silos that are sort of uh, pulling producers together, that's creating a network in itself and we're learning each other's stories and we're, we're really, we've got each other's backs, I think. So it's, it's a region that feels like it's emerging and it's starting to, um, I think it's got a really exciting future and I'm really excited to be part of that too. Farms are about produce and habitat, but they're also a place of healing and connection. That realisation is leading Liz to broaden the offering at Summerlee. When we realised just how much being on the farm had helped our own mental health and our own healing process from from grief and loss Um, and having visitors come, family, friends come to the farm and they always come, oh, it's so peaceful here. And, you know, people would come over for a barbecue and not leave because it was just so restful and peaceful. And that's that's nice. We get this lovely feedback that people feel relaxed when they come to the farm. And we love that idea of being able to gift that to people, to be able to gift um, someone time and space to think and relax um, and so we love welcoming people to the farm but we're also interested in diversification so um, what can we do on the farm to to um, in, incre- increase our business our revenue I guess um, and one of the things is agritourism that I've got a background in some uh, in hospitality I worked in hospitality in London so I love connection again. I love people and sharing food and stories and those sorts of things. So it fits quite naturally with me to to do an agritourism thing. So we're planning to in spring uh, launch a few immersive experiences, farm tours, and that will be based around the conservation work we're doing along the river with the planting of the trees and also the um, the bushland that we've got some na- native habitat in there and lots of native wildlife. So we'll be taking our binoculars. And and driving around little Polaris and um, yeah 
spotting things in trees in nighttime. So we know we've got wallabies and um, bandicoots and wombats and echidnas. We've got the giant freshwater crayfish. They're not always easy to see. Um, and we know we, we've had a, we've had devils here. So we've got. I think we've got a lot more, but we just uh, we actually found we spotted a, in one of the trees in one of the eucalypts a massive nest that looks very messy. So it could be um, um, what am I trying to think of? Wedgetail eagle. We had a big um, white-breasted sea eagle on the tree out there the other day. So yeah, we've got micro bats, got all sorts of things actually. So and we're just like seeing more and more, which is really exciting. Liz is an accidental farmer. So how does she feel about the life she's fallen into? Does it all, in the end, make sense? I love being outside and I think that I'm a bit... uh, um, I'm not an outdoors person, really, naturally. (laughs) So it forces you to get outside. And then when you get outside and you just look up and around and you think, yeah, this is... This is really beautiful. I should do this more. I should, you know, I should be kind of conscious of of nature and, and what's around me. So I love um, I love the paddocks. I love the grass. I love the scenery of farming. And I love, um, yeah, I do love the animals. That's oh, That sounds a bit, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do love the animals. No, I do. But that's, I mean, that's, of course, if I chose to, if I was, if I was like some of the, the farmers that we've met through the pro, different sort of networks and programs that we've been involved in, who are, who've kind of come in later and said they've chosen to duck farm or chosen to chook farm or whatever it is, I don't think I would have chosen to be a beef farmer. In fact, I, I wouldn't have chosen to have been a beef farmer because it doesn't, you know, it is, at the end of the day, you're an animal is losing its life and and you're you know you're selling it but I do love the fact that we can give the animal the best possible life and we can play a role in the food system that is different to just churning out beef and it being not valued in the way that it should be valued so I I I really feel honored to be able to do that part of it sometimes I look at myself because you know I lived in in London when I was in my early 20s for about five years and I often think about that person kind of cruising around clubs in London (laughs) thinking how did she get here it just yeah it's crazy it's crazy but it just makes sense Uh, you know I I don't know our life does that the universe somehow does that I think and it just puts you where you're supposed to be so I think I think this is where we're supposed to be I just feel kind of right. I feel okay. I feel happy. I don't have a yearning to go into a city environment. Um, I don't, maybe it's my age, maybe it's kind of where I am in life and um, and that's playing a part. I'm not too sure. But yeah, I, I'm, I love going on holidays. I love going to see my family in Brisbane and be back in a city environment. But not after a while, I just want to be you know, listening to those frogs out the window that you can hear, <laughs> hear screaming. Summerlee Farm is a beautiful place to live, work and create meaning. Angus cattle share the farm with freshwater lobsters and crayfish, wombats, platypus and wallabies. Oh, and the occasional tiger snake. Liz and Rick grow beautiful beef. They also respect and care for the land so it can recover and thrive. It's a family business, but it's also shelter and habitat for them and for generations to come. This is The Producers. 
I'm Danny Vallant. The Producers in Launceston is a special series celebrating the producers and people of Northern Tasmania. These podcasts are a partnership with Agricultured, a food showcase of this beautiful and rich region, sensitive to heritage, forging a tasty future. Listen to all of the Producers in Launceston podcasts on the Deep in the Weeds podcast network.